0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm your host, Joe Dillon, Fantasy Points Podcast Network, and this is the Franchise Focus Podcast Series. The entire AFC should be in your feed. If you haven't listened already, if you have listened, I hope you've taken away some actionable bites of information. I hope uh, the beat writers you were introduced to now end up on your Twitter feed or threads feed or whatever the dominant social media app is going to be eventually. And I hope that you've filed away some of the sleepers that everybody has been given to you. So 16 teams down, and if you're listening to this, I'm kicking off the NFC East We should be done with the Franchise Focus podcast series in just a couple of weeks. I have a bunch of them still scheduled that I haven't recorded. I have a bunch recorded that I haven't published yet. It's been an undertaking, but the AFC is done and dusted. The NFC is next. So here is the NFC East on the Franchise Focus podcast series. Welcome back to the Franchise Focus podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan. I have a very special guest today. All my guests are special, but this one's extra special. His name is Jordan Renan. He is the Giants reporter for ESPN NFL Nation. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jordan Renan. Jordan, welcome to the show. I don't know if you remember this, but when I was first breaking into the NFL, uh, it, okay. was in two, it was in 2008. Um, I worked for Spadaro at the Eagles website, and you were still covering the Eagles. I think you were with Comcast SportsNet. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I was, uh, I was a pudgy right. kid with bad hair, um, and, and I was—we uh, uh, were rubbing elbows in the press box. I'm not sure if you remember that, though.
1: No, absolutely, I remember that. I, mean, oh, okay. I knew that—that's that where we first met down, yeah. you know, back in the day. A, a different, different life, different generation. I was two yeah. kids for me. Uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For so sure. yeah, you know, uh, no, but yeah, th- those were, uh, good times. Although, I mean, those weren't the greatest Eagle teams. That was kind of like the transition years right there.
0: They did go to the NFC championship that year. That was the year okay. they lost Arizona. So like they're, they're, that was they had...
1: the Jeff Garcia year.
0: No, it was, um, it was Kevin Cobb oh. second season. And yes. you'll remember, um, they went to Baltimore. Donovan, right? Yeah. It was still Donovan. They went to Baltimore. Um that and got their asses kicked, and they benched McNabb for Cobb in that game. That was the game Ed Reed had like the hundred and nine-yard interception return for yeah, a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then I remember everybody Andy's press conference that week was he was gonna name the starting quarterback, and he stuck with McNabb and they went on a run and almost made it to the Super Bowl. That was yeah. uh that was that year. So it was a uh, it, it was a wild ride. As a matter of fact, that year. Um, I was, I was running out of place in Manionk in Philadelphia and it was just a room. So I had to put it on Craigslist. I'm not getting paid. Well, I had to put it on Craigslist. I'm like, oh, they're not making the playoffs. Like that. that, Remember that was the, the, the year that was the, the, the week 17 game where they needed Oakland, who was terrible to go into Tampa and beat Tampa. And the Eagles just whipped the Cowboys ass in week 17 to make the playoffs so I actually ended up having to sleep on on my coworkers' couch for the next month because I didn't expect them
1: to make the playoffs. No. Yeah, it was a it was an unexpected run, but it was a it was kind of getting up and down there. That was really nearing getting towards the end of the, the Andy Reid era. Uh mm-hmm. eventually, I guess what, 12 was the was his yeah. last year. It Ultimately worked out to be. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh I missed like so I think the first year I came and started covering Eagles. It was like right after like the TO era. So it was mm. like right after they had reached their pinnacle, that team. And that run was like the bonus run that uh the you know, going into Arizona, I believe it was, they lose to like Warner and uh it was Larry Warner Fitzgerald team and Fitz. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they actually had beaten Arizona on Thanksgiving that same year. So people are going, Oh, they're gonna beat Arizona yeah. and then Well, that
1: was know? what I found out when I moved to Philadelphia, right? Is like, that People were so into that team that they would convince themselves they had no chance of losing every year, and then every year they would lose in the playoffs until they made the Super Bowl that one year. And that which is which is why it was like, don't these people really? Like, they thought like, there's no way we lose to the Bucks in the playoffs. Like, why? That Bucks team is obviously really good. Yeah. They were really good <laughs> for a pretty long time. How is there a zero percent chance you lose? And it was the same thing over and over again. Oh. It- the you fans are unique this for sure that Tampa
0: I think that Tampa game broke Philadelphia' sports fans brains like and, and it it permeates to the sixers and 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 the Phillies and even then
1: the Flyers now so uh that the was famous a famous clip of the guy walking out of the stadium like yelling like we're never gonna win oh, yeah, <laughs>
0: Um, they there, so eventually, they did. They did. Um, look at we're, us now, all grown up, Joe. Uh, oh, no doubt about up. it. Now, and we we just spent the first four minutes of the podcast talking Eagles. When we we need we need to talk we the Giants. The Giants, yeah. So we got to get into the New York Giants, and the and and I'm not going to bury the lead here. You've got a University of Maryland journalism degree right behind you, so we know all about burying the lead. Uh, what's going on with Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I
1: mean, we Morgan. The bottom line is. Saquon Barkley is going to end up playing for the Giants this year. I have a hard time finding any other scenario where they don't. You look at it on the field uh, th- throughout the spring, and you see Matt Breda and Gary Brightwell running with the first team. Well, you know what that tells me? The Giants 100% are planning, make their plans for Saquon Barkley to be there, whether uh, it ends up being you know on the franchise tag uh, or they strike terms on an uh, agreement on a long-term deal. We'll see how that plays out. You know, it might have already played out, right, Joe? Uh, But Saquon Barkley is going to be there. The question is, you know, if he's there at this point uh, without a long-term deal, how unhappy is he and how much does that affect him this year compared to if he does have this new deal, okay, now you can just say, all right, Saquon's back. Now the key again is, as always, can he stay healthy?
0: Daniel Jones got a big contract. It's not of the Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson level contract, but it's a big contract nonetheless. When you saw the deal, what was your view as a reporter on how the Giants feel about Daniel Jones for the long term? Well, they made it clear
1: even before then, and I was kind of surprised. So at the end of the season press conference, you could tell where this was headed. They were like, Daniel Jones is our quarterback. He's going to be back. Well, say Glenn Barkley, he's a great player. We'll see what happens. Yeah okay all right we see the fact that Daniel Jones won them over to the degree that they did and we can make they're not still fully sold on they can get out of the deal after two years the bottom line is Joe Shane and Brian Dayball came in here and they were obviously not committed to him it's not their guy right he they did not pick up the 50-year option you couldn't he was coming off a season last year the previous year where he missed the final six games with a neck injury. So nobody's going to guarantee him that 50 or at that point. That was silly, right? Off a neck injury. Yeah. Uh, But they're not committed to him. And the fact that they were so adamant, we're going to sign this guy. This guy's going to be our quarterback, even if it's just and ultimately ends up being for two years. It's two years at $82 million. Okay. That's serious money. It's not top of the market, but it's top 10 quarterback. They expect him to be a top 10 quarterback. And what that means now is, the pressure's on he can't just play well he also has to play well and really to to, you know win everybody over the final critics he's got to put up the numbers on top of it because people could sit there and just nitpick if you don't really watch and you're just looking at the section he only did 15 touchdown passes yeah yeah I mean he was top seven I believe in QBR right he ran the ball really well I he was top three in come from behind wins Whenever they needed a big play, he made it. And if you go watch their season, and you're like, oh, Saquon Barkley carried the team, and he did the whole first half of the year. The second half of the year, and granted, they struggled in the second half of the year at times, but when they came down to big games, it was Daniel Jones who carried the team at that point. I'm talking about when they needed a win against uh, was it the, the uh, Colts, uh, when they beat the Vikings in the playoffs. Like, the big games they needed in the second half of that season – It was Daniel Jones that was making the big plays.
0: So the obvious uh, next part of that was, well, if he only threw 15, 16 touchdowns, the reason is because his weaponry was not very good. Kenny Galladay, well, call call like it is just one of the worst signings in the NFL the last few years. Um, They went out and they made significant moves, and let's start, with Darren Waller, and then I'm going to parlay this into how they plan to use Darren Waller because they okay. did make moves at receiver. But I, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, let, let's start with Darren Waller. You just mentioned Kenny Galladay was shot. Let's be honest, Darren Waller has is coming off two years in a row, very much injury prone, really had, I and mean, that's why he was available for a third round pick. But what did the Giants see with Waller? What have you seen with Waller in OTAs and mini camps? um that might get somebody excited about
1: him yeah Waller's not shot physically like I mean when I saw Kenny Gallagher running routes even from like basically day one I was like man he looks slow mm-hmm. and stiff uh you know he had missed preview the most of the previous season before when I see Waller in the spring I see oh wow look at this guy you know he's physically stands out he's big strong fast he he's a physical specimen and you can see that on the field uh so Let's be clear, Joe. The Giants, we, we, you know, we like to say wide receiver one, whatever. The Giants' number one receiver, just like uh, Travis Kelsey, is with the Chiefs. Just like Mark Andrews is with the Ravens. Rob Gronkowski was with the uh, Patriots, by the way, who was the what, tight ends coach there for several years? Brian Dayball. Mm-hmm. Okay. The number one receiver on this Giants team, the way that it's set up, is Darren Waller. Of course, we'll have to wait and see if he can stay healthy. And ultimately, who knows? But he's he right now, he looks good. And he's set up to be the guy who's going to get the targets, who's going to uh, be that first look from Daniel Jones, who's going to be that security blanket. Hey, let's just you know get it up there and see if he can make a play. I mean, he's a massive dude. So
0: the Giants made a lot of moves at wide receiver as well. They bring in Paris Campbell. They drafted Wandale Robinson last year. They bring in Jamison Crowder. They drafted Jalen Hyatt this year. They have Sterling Shepard, who, I mean, God bless them. Uh, all the rehab that he's had to do. I can't imagine the mental toll that that takes yeah. on him. One thing in common with all these guys, though. They're all slot receivers.
1: So... Where I does was going to De- say speed, 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 speed for most of them.
0: Which is true. But does De- do you think Darren Waller is going to line up at X? Uh, is he going to play predominantly in the slot? Like, where, where, does, the, where does he jive uh,
1: relative to those receivers? I think we're going to see a lot of different stuff from the Giants. Darren Waller is going to be a move tight end, right? He's going to be all over the field. Uh, X, Y, even some Z. Like, you're going to see him, in my opinion, everywhere. Uh, I, I think that's kind of the plan here there are a lot of two you might even see a lot of two tight end sets. but with the giants what i what you saw last year they run a lot of bunch sets so it the, the the roles can be a little less defined i think with the way they utilize their receiver so i i i think you're going to see Darren Waller in a lot of different spots and not as your traditional in line tight end like that doesn't make sense for anybody right like i said if he's your number one receiver with his skill set uh, with his injury history, having Darren Waller be an inline tight end often just doesn't make a ton of sense. That's I think where you're going to see Daniel him and Daniel Bellinger used together a lot, right? Maybe a lot of two. There'll be certain games where the Giants are going to run two and three tight ends nonstop. There was one last year where they did it as well. Uh, maybe it was Washington or something like that where they were just running basically three tight ends, and they didn't have Darren Waller, by the way. So there'll be plenty of opportunity for the Giants to use Darren Waller and uh really I think that's why they view it less as we have all these slot receivers Joe because their positions are a little less defined with the way that they move guys with the way that they motion guys with the way that they bunch them together uh really away from the sidelines so that they have room to move and you're basically getting more than one slot receiver in the single play. So uh, of those
0: aforementioned slot receivers, which you have explained to me is they don't really view it like that. Which of those guys might have gotten you the most excited watching them at, at OTAs and minicamps?
1: It's got to be Paris Campbell because Wanda yeah. Robinson's injured. So yeah, uh, he's still coming back from a torn ACL. He's not at the point where he's running routes yet, right? He, granted, he has time. But why are the Giants going to rush him, okay? Paris Campbell is – you know, a guy, also another guy with a big injury history. But if you look at him and he starts in, let's say, Sterling Shepard, they don't, like, if the, if they get anything from Sterling Shepard, it's a bonus at this point, right? That, that's how you have to view it. So they're not like, we have to get Sterling Shepard. we got to use him in this role. I, Sterling Shepard has been used on the outside before, by the way, too, uh, by other regimes. So I don't think they're going to shoehorn him into, okay, we need him to actually start in that slot position. Right now, That's Paris Campbell that's in that role. Okay, that's his role. Now, maybe Wondell Robinson comes back and as we move forward in the season, plays a bigger role and it it hurts Paris Campbell. But early in the season, he's going to see the ball a lot. Think about who tied for the team lead last year in receptions for the Giants. One was Saquon, right? The other one was Richie James. Because that's that's a position where if you can win off the line, Daniel Jones is going to look for you. So I think Paris Campbell, if he could stay healthy, you know, he's one of these guys who has a lot of talent. You like, always look at him and be like, you know what? Paris Campbell could be pretty good. He has that size. He has has that speed. And by size, I mean, like, he's not super skinny. He, he's like, he's soft. Uh, so I can see Paris Campbell being a big part of this offense. They signed him for a reason. They really like him.
0: So Jalen Hyatt uh, was getting some First round uh, receiver buzz, um and I think people have a tough and in the NFL have had a tough time really kind of dissecting that Tennessee offense and how it projects to the NFL. But the yeah. Giants saw an opportunity. They traded up for Jalen Hyatt. What did what did Brian Dable and Joe Shane say about him after making that move?
1: Speed, 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 yeah. speed. I mean, that's what he provides, right? uh We'll see what he could do. I think he's probably a little raw. We might not see him play a massive role early on. You know. Uh, remember the beginning of last year. If you're the Giants, Kadarius Tony, it was hard for them to find a real role and spot for him at the time. He was basically playing like 10 to 15 snaps a game. I, I think you could see that. I think that could be a realistic outcome for Jalen Hyatt early in the season. You know, a rookie, great speed, just find ways to use him in different, uh, different kind of roles, whether maybe, you know, uh jet sweeps, motion, backfield, you know, try to get him in a couple, you know, deep routes, you know, here or there. But I don't see him being a focus of the offense early in the season. It might be someone that takes a little time to get to where people think that, you know, he can get to. And look, there's a lot of talent there. That speed is pretty special.
0: The Giants had a kind of a makeshift receiving group last year. And that's an understatement by the way. The understatement. Yeah. By the end be, of la- You're being generous. <laughs> By the end of last year, two guys who were really doing a lot of damage, and and we're Mm going to say damage on a curve, like this isn't the Dolphins receiving group, but Isaiah Hodgins, a guy who had been a cast off by multiple teams. Darius Slayton, a guy who had been cast off by multiple Giants coaching staffs. Is there still roles here for them? Are they going to start is my question, because from a fantasy perspective, both of these guys are going really late in drafts. And I feel like there, there could be some production here.
1: Yeah, the problem with them, and I think they'll both start, they'll both make plays, the question is, is there enough of a target share there, right? How many targets are those guys going to get a game? And I'm not I'm not sure it's there for a fantasy perspective to say, I want to start those guys. Because there's going to be games where they have 80 yards and a touchdown, but there'll also be every other game where they're, you know, two for twenty.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like that's kind of where I see the Giants offense going. There's gonna be a lot of receivers, they're gonna are gonna spread the ball around. They're not gonna force it to anyone. Like they don't, they're not going to, in my opinion, get enough consistent targets where you're like, I want to start that guy. Now, maybe you can stash him, get a couple injuries, all of a sudden the target share goes up. Then you say, Okay, maybe this is this is a guy I would want to use. Like Isaiah Hodgins was really good for them last year, right? red zone he was excellent uh just a consistent player for them uh, a guy you would actually want to kind of start like if you okay if you need like a, a flyer fill in for the week Isaiah Hodgins was a great guy to throw in there last year at the end of the year yep. uh, but can he get that target share right now I'm a little hesitant to say yes and I think the same holds true for Slayton will they make big plays yes but if you could pick and choose when they are Joe you should tell me beforehand okay
0: Oh, I'm not going to pick and choose. Let's see, see, Jordan. This is the beauty of best ball in fantasy. I don't know if you play best ball, um, but that's where these guys are getting drafted right now. The beauty of best ball is you don't have to pick and choose the question. But so honestly, you answered that question. Are they good late round best ball picks? They absolutely are. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So Dari- yeah, Darius Slayton is like the ideal best ball guy because you know there's going to be one week he doesn't catch a ball, but the next week he's going to have a 50 yard touchdown.
1: So yeah. like he's going to finish with like seven, eight hundred yards receiving. Like, that's what he does. And yeah. he's going to make some big plays down the field. He's going to have drops because that's what he does. Like, he doesn't have the best hands. Uh, you know, to heck, the Giants basically wanted to cut him last year, right? I mean, he, he was inactive for this regime at the beginning of last year. But he won them over to the point that this regime decided to re-sign him. Think about that for a second. Yeah. So now they he's won him over to that point where they wanted to re-sign him. They paid him like basically two years, twelve million dollars. That's like that's real money.
0: That's also, I think that's. I would what take that. By the way, yo, know, so would I. I think that's also an example to probably like young players on the team. I mean, this guy, yeah. he was he just fought his way back, and uh, I think that's that's something that it's Joe Shane probably to this, right. They uh,
1: say,
0: yeah, exactly. Um, so I think Giant fans have learned to be patient with young offensive linemen. Andrew Thomas did not get off to the best start yeah. in his career. And now he's one of the best tackles in football. Yeah, he is. I think it's fair to say Evan Neal did not get off to the start of his career that the Giants would have wanted. But no, He was bad last year. He was. But is there uh, – I mean, is there reason for optimism? Uh, what are they? What are the coaches saying about him this offseason?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they could have contemplated moving him inside the guard. It's not something they even considered. Uh, they're, they're sold on, you know, making him their right tackle. So – He's going to get that full opportunity. Uh, he looks like he's in excellent shape. He's been working with uh, former All Pro Willie Anderson, uh, Duke Manyweather, also uh, who who handles offensive linemen is excellent with linemen. So they're hoping for that year or two improvement, and the physical skills are there. My only concern is well, let me say two. Number one is with him. The knock on him coming out was that he's off balance and he's on the ground too much at the end of plays. And you saw that again, his rookie year. So it was kind of an extension of that. And number two is I think it's dangerous and you're right. Giant fans are thinking this way, but it's dangerous to think, well, Andrew Thomas stunk yeah. his rookie year and turned into an all pro, uh, you know, Evan Neal could do it too. Well, let me make you a list Joe of the number of offensive linemen or players that have stunk their rookie year. And the percentage of them that actually make it to be all pro is probably not very high, right? Like he's more the anomaly than the norm. Mm -hmm. I I believe so. So I don't, I think it, it might be a little, you might be a little uh, optimistic to think he's going to turn into Andrew Thomas and what Andrew Thomas did here. But I do think there's a lot of room for improvement. I do actually expect him to improve greatly this year. Now, whether that means he went from a a bad lower end right tackle to being an average right tackle, that alone is, is a big jump. And I think the Giants in year two would take that.
0: Yeah. So, but the the thing, looking at the Giants roster and the amount of resources that they've spent on the offensive line, really smart drafting. I mean, I'm looking up and down. They have depth here too, which gives them a little bit of leeway
1: with with Evan Neal. I would think. Yeah. uh, the, The problem with the Giants offensive line is again, and let, we're assuming, let's say Evan Neal's an average right tackle. So you've an average right tackle on one side and an all-pro on the other side, you're pretty good shape. They're both. Yeah, the most other. teams would take that, I would think. The the question with this line is the interior. Okay. Uh their guards are below average, right? Yeah, they have depth, they'll have a bunch of options, but none of them have proven to be high-end or above average players at this point. And you got a rookie center, and the likelihood is a rookie center's. Probably his teeth kicked in a little bit as a rookie. You know, if he's an average center as a rookie, that's actually a huge win, right? Like, he's probably yeah. – it means you had a pretty good year as a rookie.
0: Yeah, yeah you don't so want to talk yourself into the Creed
1: Humphrey. Uh, yeah, Reed again, Humphrey those are bit. the outliers. Right. Like, yeah, that would be great, but it just doesn't happen regularly for most guys. Uh, and, you know, if you're good – you know, you, you hope to get there usually in year two or three. So, to me, it's – that's the part of the Giants line that still concerns me. Um, is the interior. Can the interior hold up, give Daniel Jones enough time? That's part of why they didn't make a lot of big plays last year in the past game. They were concerned about that as well. right? It wasn't just the weapons, lack of weapons. It was that combined with the interior, the offensive line wasn't great. So um, you're looking for John Michael Schmidt's second-round pick to kind of stabilize that center position. Ben Bredesen, who I thought was their best guard last year, that allows him to stay a guard now and just hope for, uh, you know, Mark Lewinsky to pretty much do what he's done in most of his career be an average uh, guard and hold up just enough where they can make, enough, make more big plays because they had the fewest 20-plus passing plays last year, 28. Yeah, and that's why they got the speed on the perimeter.
0: So, Jordan, I've been wrapping up all of these podcasts asking my guest, a lower-end player on the roster who you think can make an impact for fantasy. Who do you think that is on the Giants?
1: Uh, well, how about this? I'm going to go with Eric Gray. You know, mid-round running back, Tennessee, then to Oklahoma. Uh, first of all, I think there's a possibility he has a pass game role regardless of what happens with Saquon, right? So the Giants like his pass catching. And now it obviously depends a lot of times on whether how much you trust rookies sometimes when they're blocking or not. We'll see how that comes along. But if something happens we're, to Saquon Barkley, first of all, if he's not happy, though is that possible if um he gets injured right he has an injury yeah. history running backs get injured we watch this league all the time that's part of the deal okay you know if if Saquon Barkley misses some time Eric Gray to me is the guy who gets the most playing time you'll probably see uh Matt Breda and even maybe Gary Brightwell in there as well at that point but To me, it's Eric Gray who you might see the most because he'll be part of the the run game and the pass game. And I think he can make a mark, even if Saquon's there, a little bit as a pass catcher. So I want to keep my eye on him. Let's say Saquon sprains his ankle like he did a few years back and has to miss three or four weeks and has a high ankle sprain. You know, Eric Gray is going to be an interesting, interesting guy. So he might be a good guy to stash on the bench early in the year see where that giant running back situation goes and uh, see how much he's part of that passing attack. And if he is, say, okay, this is a guy I want to have just in case something happens to Saquon.
0: His name is Jordan Renan. He is the Giants beat reporter for ESPN NFL Nation. He a terp. My, uh, my buddy, Adi, uh, would, uh would would uh, laugh at that. Jordan Renan, at Jordan Renan on Twitter. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a pleasure uh, having you on and, uh, and reliving the past yeah anytime for you joe i love it man all right thanks everybody for joining me on this edition of the franchise focus podcast we're gonna wrap up the nfc east over the next couple of days uh probably not gonna be as good as this one but hey maybe maybe not everybody else will, will surprise me jordan thanks uh and thank you guys for listening it's been a good one